You found it. The no-nonsense, no-script podcast you've been waiting for. Real people on real issues. Welcome to Dynamic Independence. The home of logic, reason, and common sense. Let's do it. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in today. I'm Johnny Anderson, and I'm joined today by Bruce Adams. Good afternoon, Bruce. How are you today? Good afternoon. Uh, yeah, doing well. Uh, having another glass of tea. You know, uh-huh. Okay, so we've got a lot to cover today, and I'm not exactly sure where to start, but let's just pick an entry point. Chicago. Let's start with Chicago. So we've got a lot to discuss today, but we're going to start with Chicago, and I think we're going to segue over into Portland. So Chicago, there were two cops that were gunned down. Is that right? Yeah, they they were shot, and the uh, suspected gunman was wounded early. Uh, well, it was early Sunday morning. Uh, let's see, was it two thirty three a.m.? Now, did this take place during a uh, peaceful protest? So it doesn't look like it necessarily. Uh, let's see, this happened on the thirty three hundred block of uh-huh. West Polk Street. Okay, it says here. See here. Says here the officers were wearing body cams and the shooting is being reviewed. So, I mean, all right, there's a there's a good starting point. Both men are in their early 20s uh, and they've been on the job for about two years. One officer was shot twice in the left side and is in serious condition. Uh, he underwent surgery for lung and abdominal injuries. Uh, the other officer suffered a gunshot wound to his left shoulder and was in good condition. Okay, so I thought they were shot and killed, but thank God that didn't happen. Uh, yeah, the way the article was worded, it, it sounded like they were... Um, yeah killed. Yeah. yeah, it sounded like they were killed, but I'm, I'm actually glad they, they were not. So what position is the mayor now taking as she decided that she's going to backpedal on things when it comes to defunding the police? Yeah, instead of defunding the police, which she was touting there for a while, now she's saying this is evidence of why we can't defund the police. And it, it, it kind of, it, it's kind of, um, it, if you believed it so much, why are you changing your opinion so quickly? Uh, it, it just... That one well, just baffles me. It, it's like, honestly, it, it's like seriously. I mean, if you, it, it seems like they they listen to Don Lemon and uh, uh, Cuomo say, um, you know, these riots they're um, they're hurting the the polling numbers. It's almost like they all kind of heard that uh, that line, and they're like, okay, we have to we have to crack down on these riots and these uh, you know defunding the police. Well, they follow that marching mantra of guys like Don Lemon on CNN. Uh, and things like that. And you and I actually heard a podcast he was on yesterday. <laughs> of course, there's no bias over at CNN or anything like that. No. Yeah, none none whatsoever. But he does tout the line about defunding the police, does he not? He does carry that agenda. Mm. Okay. So I don't think that these city people are in favor of that. I mean, if you ask uh, Portland Mayor Ted Wheeler, right, he is not in favor of defunding the police. Jenny Durkin of Seattle, she's not in favor of defunding the police. Not anymore. She was in the beginning. Once they figure out that the mobs come for them, then they don't want to defund the police anymore. What did Mayor Lori Lightfoot do in Chicago? She banned the protests from happening on her block, didn't she? Yeah. And the other mayors we're seeing that were supposedly for the protests, you know, saying they, they can't protest in front of their, their place, but also uh, having personal uh, law enforcement or personal security, private security, while they're defunding uh law enforcement for the average citizen. Right. So they want protection for themselves, but they don't want protection for anyone else. If the neighborhood goes up, it's okay with them. It's fine with them. Yeah, they're covered. You know, they're the elite. They're the ones that have to, uh, what'd she say? Um, She's the, um, in the public eye or public space. So that's why she has, um, you know, uh, uh, benefits that the rest of the the, the populace can't have, specifically for referring to a haircut at that time. But uh, If that's the opinion she holds for just a haircut. She has to look good, Bruce. She's a public figure. Right, right. She has Mm -hmm. to look good. Mm -hmm. Of course, um, I I don't want to be disrespectful, but um, I I don't think a haircut's going to help you, lady. I'm sorry. But um, no. Okay. So the good news is, is that neither one of those officers were killed. uh, And there's one, he's still in serious condition, but um, let's uh, let's hope the best for that. But yeah, you you never want to see... You never want to see that. The ones that are out there stirring up this violence, whether this was related to protests or not, or excuse me, riots or not, you never want to see an officer get killed. But that's what they're all about, Mm -hmm. aren't they? That's what they're all about. When they march down the streets and they're chanting, what do we want dead cops and when do we want them now? Uh, Hello? Hello? You you talk about a group of people that are out of control anarchists. Moving over to Portland. One down in Portland, yeah? Guy was shot dead. Yeah. 
guy was shot. Yeah, it looked like he was shot in the uh, upper torso area. Um, uh-huh. Some of the photos I'd seen, it looked like it was the right lung areas where he was shot. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, he was part of the Patriot uh, prayer fa- uh, uh, group organization, whatever they have clashed with uh, Antifa before in Portland. And it says here that uh, let me see, the guy was fatally shot. Uh, Oregon's uh, largest city was a supporter of the group and a good friend. Uh, Joey Gibson, head of the group based in Washington State, said he was also in Portland on Saturday night when supporters of President Donald Trump clashed with BLM protesters. <laughs> can we stop that, that please? BLM. Hmm. Can, can we stop hmm. this, please? Yeah. Can, can we stop? Like you, you fools in the media, can we stop this? Can we stop this protester garbage? Huh? Can we just yeah. can we stop they're, doing that? They're, they're not protesters. They're not yeah. protesters. What a protester is, is what happened in Paris, what happened in London, what happened in Germany, in Berlin yesterday. That's a protest. That is a protest. Nonviolent action. This this garbage is not a protest. This is a riot. When you get people killed in the streets, that's not a protest. When you're out there burning, when you're driving stolen cars through storefronts in order for the mobs to loot and to steal, that's not a protest. No, you're right. Right. You're right. Those are those are reparations. Yeah. Oh, yes. Yes. Of course. That's reparations. But it says here that uh, Gibson arrived on uh, on the scene of the shooting shortly after it happened and was briefly corralled into a nearby gas station by angry protesters. Again, with the protesters, police are issuing a plea for videos, photos or eyewitness accounts of the killing on late Saturday night, which happened about 15 minutes after a caravan of about 600 vehicles. They were part of a pro Trump rally left downtown. They're saying I, I read about this this morning somewhere else. Uh, it said it wasn't clear if the shooting was related to the clashes between Trump supporters and counter protests in Portland. If you keep going yeah. with that sentence, it's uh-huh. a narrative that the media has been constantly pushing that Black Lives Matter have been protesting George Floyd since May. Uh-huh. Right. And right. no, that that's not the case at all. When you look at who Black Lives Matter is, the the organization, the um, LLC, the corporation, uh, they're Marxist. They want the entire eradication of of the American well system. Police are also asking for um, you know any any kind of videos, photos, eyewitness accounts, or anything of the uh, the shooting there in Portland. They don't have a whole lot of information. It says uh, right now. You know, whenever you get large groups of people together like this and something like this happens, it's very, very rare you'll find out who actually did it. I'd be surprised if they find the person that actually did it. Uh, And it's hard to say. It's hard to say. Maybe it was just somebody that got caught in a crossfire. Who knows? Uh, it, from the sound of it, it, it could be a crossfire. But honestly, there was a freelance so. reporter that was there and they said they heard three gunshots. Uh huh. Now, see, here's here's the question, though. I mean, just speaking hypothetically here, look at how the media is paying lip service to this. That's pretty much all they're doing with it. Right. They're, they're just paying lip service to it. Reverse the situation and tell me what would be happening. What if it was um, uh, the the group shot a uh, BLM supporter? Yeah, which probably would not happen at all. I mean, it, I'm just saying it, it wouldn't happen because that's what they want, right? The media, I mean, and the, the political establishment, that's what they want. They're looking for that narrative to push and to drive home because they need something else. Everything they have has it been exacerbated. Be long, up to this Sorry, it won't be long. Seriously. Yeah. We're, we're, we're getting to the edge of, of how much um, the, the average person can take. If, if the government doesn't step in, because we've seen Kyle, uh, what, what was his last name? Um, Rittenhouse. Uh, Rittenhouse. Thank you. Uh, he's a 17-year-old kid. He's a kid. He went out there and, and, and uh, did what law enforcement wasn't willing to do, and that's protect people's property. And um, well, at the I, same I'm, time, I'm, yeah. I, I mean, that, they're arguing self-defense. Right. I mean, I, I of course, he's out there doing what the cops won't do. He's out there protecting people's property. Sure. OK, fine. Uh, any good citizen can do that as far as I'm concerned. But he was defending himself. At least the videos that I saw, which I finally watched those videos, the videos that I saw, that's self-defense. That's self-defense. Yeah. Yeah. He's going to walk. I mean, the the most he'll get is a misdemeanor for uh, a firearm underage and uh, everything else is going to get thrown out. He's uh, he's more or less going to walk and that could cause more riots, which is uh, what they want at this point. I apologize. I interrupted you earlier. Doesn't matter if you're interrupting me, then that usually means that it's important. So I, I usually just let you go. You mentioned yesterday about Hungary, right? Hungary's going to close their mm-hmm. borders again, starting on what is it? Tuesday, Tuesday? They're closing. Yes. Yes. OK. Australia has decided to follow suit, although they're doing it immediately. We saw something from uh, Qantas Airlines, was it? They shut off their international flights, something along the lines of, what was it, about three weeks ago? 
they did that? Yeah, it's been a while now. We Yeah. So Qantas closes down their international flights. And what did I say? What have I been saying? They want to end international flights. They don't want people going anywhere. I, I don't like what part of that does not resonate with people? I, I don't quite get it. What, what part of that doesn't resonate with people? Do you not understand that they want to end international travel? They don't want people moving. They don't want people being prosperous. They don't want people being free. They don't want any kind of movement because if you can move, then they can't keep an eye on you. So mm, you're just Australia crazy QAnon. Yes, yes. Yeah, I'm a crazy person. Mm-hmm. Now, mm-hmm. from what we talked about with uh, with their quote uh, COVID pass, you remember that their their COVID or common yeah. pass, whatever the hell it is. Common. That's pass, all that yeah. is. That's what that is. You can't move unless they say so. That's what it is. And what are we seeing now? What have we seen with, uh, with with all this shutting down of international travel? Flights have been grounded. They're dismantling the they're talking about dismantling the, uh, quote, air bridge now between New York and London. What do you need it for? So they're going to shut that down. They're sending airlines, airplanes from airlines to retire. Although we're seeing new planes being brought up as a uh, as prototypes, right? New supersonic uh, passenger liners. But guess what? You're not going to be able to fly on those. No, those yes. are only coming with going to be expensive. Oh, yes. Those are going to be expensive. And those are only coming with 20 seats. That's it. The days of 500 fl- or 500 plus flights going across the Atlantic. Now, oh, yeah, it's not as easy to jump across the pond anymore. But Australia has decided to close their borders completely. And you think, OK, well, they won't let you in. No, it's as bad as the Australians not being allowed out. Even if you're an Australian, you can't go out. Now, here's the thing, you know, and I, I wish I wish I had Marty in here at the moment. What about the people that have the agreements with Australia, like the UK, for example, where you can jump back and forth, where you have people that have residences in two countries? This is the other thing. It's like, what about people such as myself? What about people like me that have residences in two countries? How are we supposed to operate? See, this is why it's essential for people like us to stand up now. We have to stand up now. We have to push back on this now. The people in Berlin are standing up. The people in Paris are standing up. We're going to talk about the uh, little bit of the hypocrisy of the mainstream media when it comes to that, too. You won't believe what they were saying yesterday. You know, keeping with Australia for the moment, they're saying that how long this is going to take is anyone's guess. They don't know. If you have a passport, you're probably not going to be able to use it anytime this year, at least in Australia, and possibly well into next. But the prime minister down there, Scott Morrison, he said that it is unlikely that Australia's borders will be closed until Christmas of 2020. And more likely, yeah, see, of course, he puts it, oh, it's unlikely they'll be closed until Christmas of 2020. It's unlikely. However, Uh it's more likely, you you like the double speak here? It's more Mm -hmm. likely beyond that into spring of 2021. He said, I would welcome if by Christmas it were possible, but I think it's unlikely that we will be able to move back into a restriction-free society by then. I doubt that it's going to happen, and I doubt the medical situation will enable it. Well, Gee, I wonder, Mr. Morrison, what medical situation is that? Are your hospitals being overrun? Is that, you know, that's the other thing that we haven't really talked about in any of this, have we? We're hearing all these talks about, well, we need to relock and we need to do this because cases are spiking and and numbers are rising and and all this stuff. Are the hospitals being overrun? Is that happening at all? I mean, not because of COVID, not, not because of COVID. But I mean, the thing is, if the hospitals were being inundated with coronavirus, let's, I mean, let's just go with the narrative, right? If it were being inundated with coronavirus patients, if COVID was out of control, don't you think we would see news media all over the overflowing hospitals? They would be there. They would want people to see that because it would play into their narrative, but they're not there, are they? They're not there. Mm-mm. So yeah, the whole thing- like They're not there for the protests. They're not. They're not. The whole thing's falling apart. And it's just- it's rhetoric that's being flaunted at this point, and it's it's the authoritarian measures that are being introduced. Do, do people not get it? Let me ask you this, Bruce. What's it going to take? Right. If it were you. OK, if it were you, because I mean, I still got some mm-hmm. people that are on the fence here. They are following that hook, line and sinker. I talked to somebody this morning that is all in for it. I was talking to somebody in the UK this morning and they were I was actually I was in with Marty and we were talking to somebody from the UK and I said, what happened? You know, we were talking about what happened in Trafalgar Square yesterday with the protest. And immediately the person says, oh, yeah, a bunch of conspiracy theory idiots is all they are. Immediately. That's what happened. At what point? At what point do you get someone to divorce themselves from the agenda to get them to realize that it's all political and nothing else? And and it's becoming authoritarian on the face of it. At what point do you get them to see the transition? Where, where are you standing with that? Are you seeing the same kind of stuff that I am? 
I honestly don't know how you get to change. Like the, when, when you when you argue with somebody on the left, right, and you talk about your positions, um, why it's bad to have government um, doing these welfare stuff and whatnot, right, and why it should be the the community that should be doing it, or or you know the the reason you shouldn't um, give up your private property and whatnot. You're met by a wall of shall we say ignorance or unwillingness to see any other any other viewpoint mm-hmm. um the same with this they they their emotions are rooted in this fear of coronavirus is going to kill us all and we have to do something to save lives right we have to do something and they're unwilling to listen to other narratives because the news media or um you know the people in power say well no these are conspiracy theories Whereas when you go and read the data for yourself, you know, we're being told that um, it's it's dangerous for you to read information yourself and come to your own conclusions. So with that knowledge in mind, if you're reading up on coronavirus yourself, that's a problem, uh, obviously, because uh, you're going to find out that look at that fatality rate because of uh, coronavirus is actually six percent of what what they're saying. Stop right there. You said six percent of what they're saying. Explain that to people. Explain that, okay, so, that figure to people, because on the surface, that sounds bad on the surface. That sounds bad because we're hearing about percentages. We're hearing about death rates and all that stuff. And we're hearing because in the initial stages, we were told what? Four percent, right? Four percent. That, that was yeah, what we were to be expected. Four yeah. percent. Now, when yeah. you say six percent, the death rate is six percent. Then mm-hmm. what exactly are you saying when you say that? So I just wanted you to explain. Okay, that. so yeah, to clarify, yeah, good, yeah, okay. Um, so the hundred eighty thousand uh, deaths that we have here in the U.S., six percent of those deaths are actually COVID deaths. All the other ones are comorbidity, which means they were going to die in the next year from something else. So uh, I got you. Only six percent of those. So we're talking instead of one hundred eighty thousand, we're talking ten, almost eleven thousand deaths. Now, if that in trend the, it follows, if that trend in, in the U.S., yes, if that trend uh, follows in the rest of the world, you're talking instead of eight hundred eighty-eight thousand, I think it is, or eight hundred eighty-seven thousand, somewhere in there, you're looking at about fifty thousand deaths. Are, are solely COVID. So, uh, yeah, w- when you bring that up to people, they're, they're like, oh, that's a conspiracy theorist. The, the media says you're you're part of the QAnon um, group or what have you. And you could be none of the above. You could be a uh, left-leaning moderate uh, in America and you just did your own research and looked into it and found that, oh, look at these numbers. The CDC is actually reporting these numbers, huh? We're supposed to trust the CDC, right? You're a conspiracy theorist because of that. So mm-hmm. I don't know how to change people's opinions and how to you present them the facts. And the only other thing I know to do is get them to argue their position and prove their position to be true. Try to get them to factually prove their position. And that's the only way that I really know to get them to realize that they have no facts backing up their their statements. Again, I, I feel like I'm reminded now now that we're talking on it like this, I'm reminded of the uh, the interview with uh, Yuri Pesmanov. You can present them with cold, hard facts. You could present them with irrefutable proof that black is black and white is white and they're not going to see it. There was um, a talk with uh, I seen an interview with um, Dennis Prager. He was talking about his his experiences in Russia. Yeah. And he was talking to some Russian diplomats and he said, uh, you know, in America and in our magazines, we can say anything we want about the government. We can say anything mm-hmm. we want about our officials. You know, we have that freedom. And the their their uh, diplomats were just like, oh, you have government involved in your media just as much as we do. And, and besides, we can say whatever we want, whatever we believe. So it, it, it's a uh, that, that's the same argument we get from the left today is, uh, you know, um, we're not really X, Y, Z, or we are X, Y, Z, you know, we're not really racist. And they'll say, oh, no, you are. And then, you know, they have no evidence supporting it. It's just, I feel like you are. That's the narrative that the the group think is saying. So, yeah, it's just you're arguing with a brick wall in some cases. That's exactly what it feels like is just you're arguing with a brick wall. And if you feel like you're actually gaining ground somewhere, then they jump. This is the problem that I've had when I argue with uh, someone on the other side. And that's that's what it is. It's an it's an argument. It's a discussion. Well, sometimes you can have discussions where they're actually willing to listen. But when you try to argue your point, this is the issue I often run into, is when you try to argue your point on certain aspects, by the time you try to address what they hit you with, which is usually an ad hominem attack, when they uh-huh. hit you with that, by the time you start to explain something, they jump to the next subject. So you don't even have time yep. to argue your point. 
because it's all emotionally driven, like you're talking about, because by the time that and they know they can't win an argument. I mean, that's that's where we are with all this whole thing anyway, is when you try to explain the underlying problem as to how they got to that conclusion in the first place. So you can create the situation where they don't end up at that point again. Right. That's the point of it. So you can you can say, OK, well, I'm going to tell you where you went wrong and then. I'm going to tell you what you need to do in order to get out of that so you don't find yourself in the same predicament you're in now. And when you try to explain that workaround, they think, oh, well, you're just not answering the question. Well, no, I'm answering your question. It's just an answer you don't want to hear. Right. And it's the same thing yeah. that we're running into with this. I mean, I, that that's what I feel like is like we're trying to explain to um, I don't want to say a screaming toddler, but that's what it is. I mean, it's it's that we're trying to explain to someone yeah. where they went wrong. And what we need to do in order to get out of this and how we need to work together in order to fix this. And they just don't want to hear it. They, they just don't want to hear it. They jump onto the next thing about they go from conspiracy theorists to uh, you just want people to die. Right. They'll just move on to the next thing. Let's see. We're, we're kind of talking about coronavirus. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I was going to jump um, into the protests. But yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, another thing about coronavirus, yeah, we have experts warning about unstoppable superbugs because of all the hand sanitizer we're using. I thought um, hand sanitizer you know, was good for you. Isn't that what they encouraged everyone to do? Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it doesn't kill all the bacteria and some of the bacteria that will survive will become more resistant and more resistant over time. So once it becomes resistant, um, how are you supposed to combat it? You know, so um, that, that's a very, very real possibility. We, we've been... We've been uh, using hand sanitizer. See, the, the thing is, I don't know that people realize this. You have millions of bacteria on your hands at any given time, right? And uh, you use that hand sanitizer and it kills off 99.9% of the bacteria. You still have thousands of different bacteria on your, on your skin. So uh, those living cells have the potential to become more resistant to the alcohols or to the, they have a chance of evolving, in other words. And uh, some bacteria will learn to thrive in these, uh, these environments. So we have to be really careful when overusing this. We've seen the same thing with anti uh, antibiotics. You're, you're having things become more resistant to antibiotics because it doesn't kill all of them. And that's always been the argument that I've heard ever since I was a kid. And I've, I've, I know people that work in the healthcare business, and they've always told me the same thing. You don't want to wash your hands too much because you kill eventually all the bacteria. And what happens? You become more susceptible to infection. You need to be exposed to these things. They're trying to put everybody in a bubble. That's what the establishment's trying to do. They're trying to put everybody in a bubble. It's going to cause more problems down the road. See, they're trying to tell you what you need to do in order to be safe, but yet they want you to be in a position where you're so safe that you're actually compromised to where you need them. Do you get it? That's the position they're taking. Uh, and it's, mm -hmm. it's, it's making people a victim of their own uh, stupidity, I suppose. That, that's what it is. And it's pretty disgusting, to be honest. I mean, what, what kind of a what kind of a, quote, elitist are you if you have to do that to people? I mean, what kind of an elitist are you if you have to do what you're doing now? This is what you have to do. This is what you have to do in order to grab control of people. This is how pathetic you are. This is how weak you are. This is how much of a coward you are. All you and I'm not talking about just the the top elitists in the world here. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the useless followers you've got in elected positions. Those people too. The ones that are scared. They're the cowards. They're the ones that are supposed to stand up for us. They're the ones that are supposed to put people above them out of business. That's what democracy is all about, isn't it? Isn't that what it's supposed to be? The democratic right of the people. Isn't that what we're supposed to have? We're supposed to have democratic rule. Now, I don't believe in the whole mob rule. And and I'm I, I, I really don't like full blown democracies because they're extremely dangerous. But yep. you know, I, I prefer I prefer republics. But nonetheless, nonetheless, democracies, at least it's something right. I mean, at least it's something. It's at least it's you know, I, I can't I can't say that I'm fully on board with it, but at least you have some form of giving a people some kind of a chance. I don't like them, but nonetheless, at least they're there. But people must have the right to choose their own destiny, not by a bunch of uh, sick degenerates at the top of something that has to dumb everyone else down, that has to uh, to keep everyone else sick and poor and stupid. Well, what kind of an elitist are you if you're that? You're an elitist if you get to a point where you're at based on merit, based on your good deeds, based on your charity. That's an elitist, not someone that, that has to knock out their competition by, by doing that, taking actions like that. That's actions of a coward. And the ones that follow that are even bigger cowards because they should know better to stand up to that. 
I, I wouldn't buckle to something like that. I would not, because that's just not who I am as a person. I would stand up for people. If I'm elected to a position by the people, then I'm going to represent those people and I'm going to fight for them. I'm not going to abandon them. The people that are in these offices, if you look at, the, at what happened in Berlin, you look at what happened in Paris, London, what's happening in the U.S., our elected people have abandoned us. They're not standing up for us. They're working against us. If they were working for us, people wouldn't have to be out there in the streets protesting. Real protests. Real protests. Not a riot. Not shooting people. Not beating people. Not looting. Not burning. But protesting. People jumped the gates at, uh, at the Bundestag yesterday. We, we talked on it. Uh, police arrested around 300. Uh, the, you know, Bruce, the, the protests that were, uh, that were happening, let's talk about the media uh, narrative from yesterday. What did they say? What, would they, what did they say? They were, they were focusing specifically yesterday on what was going on in Berlin, what was going on in London, and what was going on in Paris, right? We, we talked about it a little bit. They said in London at Trafalgar Square, several hundred demonstrators gathered. I've seen videos today of that. If that's several hundred people, I'll eat my hat. Paris, only 200 people showed up. Only 200 people showed up. I think you missed a zero or two in there. Berlin, what were they saying yesterday? 18,000, right? First it was 18. Actually, early in the morning, they were saying that it was 1,800 people. No big deal. Then they decided to add a zero after 12 o'clock and said it turned from 1,800 into 18,000. And then what happened? Then they said, oh, well, there's somewhere around, uh, there's a side protest, a separate protest, a nearby separate protest of 30,000. I've never heard of just something on the side. You're saying that there was a separate protest with 30,000 people, but yet the main protest was only supposed to have 18? Well, don't you think the main people would have more than the side protest? Then today, now we're seeing numbers of 40, and I've seen 50,000, uh, and even higher than that in a couple of cases, depending on where you look. But people jumped the uh, the barricades at the Bundestag. They, uh, they jumped up on there. Now, with the amount of people that were up there, the amount of people, and Bruce, we saw him jump in the barricades, didn't we? Hell, there was one guy that jumped with an American flag hanging off his shoulder. <laughs> yeah. But with the amount of police that were there, and the police weren't getting beat up. I mean, I saw a video of what was going on up there. And I saw what was the police that were out there. Yeah, there was a couple of scuffles, but nothing major. Police didn't didn't end up in the hospital, at least not to my knowledge. And there were not that many police officers. Believe me, the protesters outnumbered the police officers by a lot, by a lot. And the people here, like I said, I've been in that building, right? I've been in the Bundestag. And these people could have easily, if they wanted to, they could have gone inside that building, but they didn't. They didn't. They were at the doors, they were at the doors. And I'm not talking about uh, at the foot of the steps. No, 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 no. They were up the steps at the doors. Now, the Bundestag, for those that don't know, for those that are in the U.S., that is like Germany's version of like what is our state house, like our, our Capitol building. So that's where the lawmakers are. They were at the doors. They didn't go in. They could have pushed past all those police. They didn't have very many police up there, but they didn't. Why? Because they were sending a message. Now, they jumped the barricade. OK, all right. Which... You know, they couldn't have uh, they, they couldn't have taken all those people to jail, but they jumped a barricade. All right. But they didn't do any damage. They didn't break any glass. They didn't break the doors down. They didn't storm the, uh, the the building itself. They didn't injure any officers, to the best of my knowledge. But they were sending a message. What does the media do in their typical fashion? They say that uh, the police had to halt the entire protest. Yes, uh, a couple of thousand police officers halted 30,000 people because they weren't observing social distancing. That's the headline, if you if you can believe how crazy this is, the lunacy of this. And then then they have the gall to come out and say uh, the uh, they've arrested 300 uh, in the German capital after demonstrators failed to keep their distance and wear masks as instructed. Do you think if you have 40 or 50,000 people or hell, you know, 400,000 or whatever, do you think if you have that many people up there, do you think you're going to pay attention to any BS orders that are nonsense to begin with? Something that was put forth by sick freaks that want to control your life and a 14 year old. That's by the way, that's where social distancing and mask wearing comes from, if you didn't know by this point. So do you think people are going to listen to that? Who believes this? Who believes these kind of narratives? You have the numbers of, of protesters in the city, and then you have headlines like that that come out. I don't buy it. I, I don't buy it. I, I don't buy these uh, the, these BS headlines. I, I don't buy the media. I don't buy any of that nonsense. And Bruce, I put a picture up last night after you left. Did, did you see mm -hmm. what it said? The Germans were holding a banner up there with German and American flags, and it said, Mr. Trump, please don't forget the German patriots. I don't think they're yeah. talking to the German government. You see, America, right? America is not some piece of land, right? That's what that's the biggest misconception about all this, isn't it? People look at America as some geographical location. Yeah, we have geographical location. 
And we have the unique ability to be able to pretty much be self-sufficient in just about everything we need. So yes, th- there is that aspect of it. But America's not a landmass. America's an idea. That's what it's all about. The German people that are up there, they know that. They know that. They're not marching with Angela Merkel's photo talking about how they're praising her. As a matter of fact, it's the contrary. What were they doing, Bruce? They're walking around with her in in uh, in stripes, wanting her in handcuffs. Yeah. yeah. You see, people know the difference. They know the difference. They don't buy this nonsense that America is this big, horrible, racist nation, right? They don't buy that on average. I tell you what, if you watch the RNC this week, now, and believe me, I, I'm no fan of the Republican Party, okay? I, they, they've got a lot of problems. But after seeing that, Bruce, I, I'm, I'm going to kind of echo what you had to say here about it. That gave me some hope. And you know what? The people that called yep. into C-SPAN this week, same thing. They said after watching the RNC, and they were Democrats. Democrats called in. And they said after watching the RNC, we've got some hope that we can actually do some good here. And, and we're not this horrible place that everybody says that we are. And it's not. It's not. But more than that, as to my original point, America is an idea, it's an idea of freedom. It doesn't matter where America is. It doesn't matter if it's in Antarctica, for crying out loud. It's about freedom. It's the idea of freedom. It's about being able to be who you want to be and do what you want to do. There's always this argument about right and left, right? And we could talk about that for a minute if you like, Bruce. But there's always this argument about right and mm-hmm. left. And the argument about right and left is, is there's a difference between the right and the left in America, and there's a difference between the right and left in Europe. And they try to compare the two. Mm-hmm. They, they try to say they try, or excuse me, they try to blend the two and they try to say that this is all the same. This is not all the same. In Europe, if you are a right wing extremist, you're no different than a left wing extremist. It's just you're nationalistic. So this is the part they try to lay onto the U.S. If you believe in your nation, well, then you're a fascist, right? Isn't that what we hear? You believe in yeah. your country? Yeah, you're a fascist. Mm-hmm. But see, that's not what it is. The American right is less government, less government, less authoritarian. Yes, you're patriotic. You're proud of your country. You're happy to have the freedoms you do, but you don't have a massive welfare state. You don't have a massive government. You don't have authoritarianism. Authoritarianism is everything that America stands against. Traditionally, we were founded from putting tyrants out of business. So if we are those people, then why would we advocate for going back to that system? We don't. That's the disconnect. That's the disconnect. If you look at the uh, the left wing in America, what is it? It's the same thing as the hard right in Europe. That's what it is. The difference is, is you're looking at national socialism versus international socialism. This was the biggest power struggle between Trotsky and Stalin. That's why Stalin denounced Trotsky as Leon Trotsky as a uh, <clears throat> a social fascist. One believed in the nation. One believed in internationalism. That was the difference. One worked and one didn't. Only one of those ideologies could survive in the end. And in the end, it was Stalin. Trotsky was exiled. Little history lesson for you. But to my main point is America is is what you make of it. It's whatever you want it to be. That's what's so unique about it. That's what's so rewarding about the system at the same time is I don't care if you are an American by birth, right? That, that doesn't really mean a whole lot. That just means that we're, we're bred and we by default have to carry that banner, right? But if you're not an American by birth, that doesn't mean you can't be one at heart. And I think that's what the Germans up in, in Berlin at that protest are trying to say. What do you think? I have to agree. Um, uh, we, we've seen a great uh, from the RNC, the um, Cuban immigrant um, talking about how he's seen great socialism speech. rise. It was fantastic. And he's an American, right? He wasn't born in America. But he's an American because he shares the same principles, the same ideas at heart. And that, exactly as you're saying. And to, to, to kind of help as well with the left-right argument uh, between European and, and America, think of the European left and right as a circle, whereas, you know, where the left and right meet at one point. In America, it's not a circle, it's a line. And actually, realistically, it's, it's more of like a graph for America because you, you have left and right, but then you also have varying degrees of anarchy, right? So you, you'll have like the left wants, you can have the left anarchists, which are anarcho-communists, and that's basically mm-hmm. there for anarchy and communism, um, Antifa. Follow, um, and Antifa. And then um, you have the, the authoritarian communist types. Which is uh, uh, well, partly BLM and the um, the leadership. I see leadership are represent and the uh, DSA representatives and the DSA. Yes, and that that also fascism also fits into that uh, authoritarianism there. 
whereas in America, you, you can have the right and they can have be for bigger government. We call those rhinos. And you can also have um, the right that are as close to anarchy as you can get without being an anarchist. And you can call those anarcho-capitalists, right? So that that's kind of the scale in, in the US, uh, whereas it's not the same in Europe. It's, it's very different. So keep that in mind when they, they try to pin the, the far right or the alt right. When they say alt right, that literally means left. The alternate to right is left. <laughs> so anyway. It's the doublespeak, right? And we've talked about yes. uh, socialist doublespeak before. I mean, I've, we've made uh, several references to socialist doublespeak. We actually did a podcast on it called Socialist Doublespeak. You can go back and listen to it. And I explained how they use those terms and they twist those terms and they, they manipulate things. And that's essentially what we're seeing now. Although it's a different form of it now. Now they're not twisting the terms. They're not twisting the actual words themselves. They're now twisting. They've gone a step further with it. They're twisting the underlying meaning of things. So they're just redefining not just the term that they've already redefined. They're redefining the meaning of that term. So they're completely rewriting everything behind the scenes on it. So when they put forth an agenda, well, then it fits what they're saying. And if they if it doesn't fit what they're saying, well, then they'll just change the definition of it. It's the same thing with the U.S. Constitution. Someone like myself and someone like Bruce, other people like us, we hold that document very dear because it takes the chains off of us. It takes the chains off of we the people, no matter where you come from, no matter what your color is, no matter what your gender is. And it puts chains on the government. It stops them from becoming authoritarianism. It deconstructs authoritarianism. That's what the U.S. Constitution does. It deconstructs totalitarianism and it redistributes the power into a system of checks and balances. See, this is why I say America is an idea. It's not just a landmass. People look at it as, oh, well, yes, it's just a big piece of land, a big piece of real estate. <laughs> if it was a piece of real estate, then, I mean, that would be easy enough to walk away from. But it's not. It's not about a piece of real estate. It's about the idea that freedom burns inside of you. That's something that you as a human being desires. It's something that you're willing to fight for, not some piece of land. We, we always talk about real estate this and real estate that. At the end of the day, does that really matter? Does it? I think freedom is more important than any piece of real estate. If you look at the founders of America, they died poor men. They died in, in poverty, most of them. But you know what? They mm -hmm. died free men. They died free men. They weren't subservient to a tyrant anymore. They gave everything they had to fight a tyrant. And they won. And they won. And even Marty said it here before. He, he doesn't consider the uh, which founders were, you know, Englishmen <laughs> because it was an English colony. And he doesn't consider them to be traitors anymore because the more that we sit down and we go through this stuff, and we, we work through this, and we, we get into the founding of America. And it's and it's so prevalent to understand it now because we have an opportunity here. We are at the apex. We have an opportunity here to offer a rebirth to Western civilization and not to the level that we're talking about with these sick freaks in Davos, Switzerland. We're not talking about those, right? Those people are not the future. They are the past. These people that hold political offices, they are not the future. They are the past. We have an opportunity to rechart Western civilization and to re-upload freedom to all people that live here. We have an opportunity to do that, but we've only got really one shot to do it, don't we? Because if we don't get it right, then it's going to be a while before we can get it right. That's that's my fear to it. So we have an opportunity to do this. We have an opportunity to do this right. And more importantly, we have an opportunity to do this peacefully, peacefully with minimal uh, bloodshed on either side, because you know what? They're trying to take us to conflict. And you know what? No one wins that way. No one. No one wins that way. Ultimately, I can tell you right now, those that are in power right now are going to lose. It doesn't matter what they do at this point. They're going to lose. But it's only a matter right now of how bad they're going to lose, because right now they're in the process of humiliating themselves. They've disgraced themselves. If they knew what was right, if they felt like they could do the right thing, then the right thing for them to do is to join us, join our side. I hate that us versus them narrative. I can't stand it. But when you're talking about, as you put it yesterday, Bruce, when you're talking about our way of life, it is us versus them. I hate taking those stances. But the elected officials, you still have a chance. You still have an opportunity. You have an opportunity to join us and stand on the right side of history, because right now, the positions you're taking in the interim of this, the positions you're taking, I can assure you, I can assure you as someone who knows history, and I don't know it that well. I like to think that I know better. I know it better than most. I've done a lot of research. I've read a lot of history and I, I wish I'd, I knew more. 
I wish I knew more every day and I, I try as hard as I can, but they're on the wrong side of history right now. The positions they're taking, they are on the wrong side of history and it is not going to work for them. It's not going to work out. They're not going to have a seat at that table. But if you join the side of freedom, if you join our side, the side of good, the side of righteous, the side of spiritual righteousness, if you join our side, you will have a seat at that table. Why? Because we are the inclusive people. We are the tolerant people. We are everything that they say we're not. This is why when I watched the RNC, I, I kind of felt like, I mean, that that divide, it's, it's not there, is it, Bruce? It's not there. If you, if you looked at the way that they presented uh, everything that happened there, how more inclusive could you be? If you watched the RNC, if you're, if you're a Democrat, if you're a non, excuse me, if you're, hell, even if you're a non-U.S. citizen and all you hear all day is this big racist talk and all this crap that's going on all over the TVs, because if you were to watch the foreign press, I watch the U.K. press, I watch French press, I watch German press. Right. I watched the, the three major countries, no disrespect to the others, because I know we have listeners in all those countries and, and other European countries as well. But if you watch those three networks, three major networks, you wouldn't even think Donald Trump's running for president. But if you were to watch the RNC, which they didn't even show here, they didn't even show it. If you were to watch that as a non-citizen, you would think this is this is not a divided country at all. At least that's what I would think. Any any person that can sit down and logically think for themselves would see that. Would you agree? So. I, I do. Uh, the, the The question is, is did they show the DNC there for uh, yes. in your media over there? Yes, they did. Uh huh. Interesting. Kind of interesting there. Which side they're taking here? Well, the narratives are uh, real. I, the narratives are real. They're, they're following yeah. the same narratives. If you were to transplant CNN talking points, that's all they are. Yeah. It's also good to point out that, um, you know, the the deals that um, Hunter Biden was able to do, you know, the multi-billion dollar deals he was able to do with his um, institution, investment firm or whatever, um, that no other investment firm has been able to do. You know, it, it's it's worth noting that China is saying that they want Biden. They say it would it would be detrimental to have Trump. So, you know, if, if China doesn't want Trump and they want Biden, um, that, that, that's kind of a that's kind of concern to me when when, as Trump said in the RNC, Biden is about made in China and he's about made in the USA. And uh, uh, it, it's the thing is, is Trump used to be a Democrat. This is what's interesting. Trump used to be he's a Democrat. He's not a Republican. He's not. He's not a Republican. No. But the Democrats have moved so far left that the pendulum have swung so far now that Trump, still a Democrat, is technically a Republican now. Because he can't fit the democratic principles and he still believes in capitalism. He still believes in America. He still loves the nation. You can see that based on his rhetoric and um, the things, the policies he's done. So I really, I, I don't like some of the stuff he does, but you know what? That's the only choice we have right now. Either you vote for a dictatorship or you vote for freedom. My, my concern is, is when Trump, when he's reelected, number one, the riots aren't going to stop. They're probably going to get worse. So he'll He'll probably take action like, you know, right after he gets elected, like the day we find out he's the, he's elected, we're going to see soldiers in the streets uh, of the major cities with the riots. I expect it. And they're going to they're going to quill the riots. I mean, I it's going to be it. iron fists, I think. Yeah, I expect. And it. but what I'm concerned with is when he's when when he's no longer able to run. Are we going to have anybody with the cojones to stand up for America? I, I think so. And that, that's what I'm concerned about. I, I think so. Yes, I, I think so. Let, let me explain why. Um, honestly, there, there's a couple of people that are up right now. Most notably, I want to talk about this one guy that's in the Senate right now, and that's Senator Tom Cotton. You know who I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking, and what did I say to you a couple of months ago, Bruce? I said, I think they're going to put him in a position to run. I, I think they're going to yeah. do it. And if you look at it, see, right now, I think this is the plan. I think they're looking at putting Pence in for eight years after. And I don't I don't think that's going to work. I, I mean, I don't. OK, I like Mike Pence. I, I like him, but he's not. He's <laughs> he's country club log cabin Republican style. You know what I mean? He, he's that he's not hardcore enough, if that's what I'm trying to say here. He's I, like I, I like where he comes from. He's the typical uh, Republican, perfect hair, uh, nice tie, press suit, uh, church on Sunday kind of thing. You know what I mean? Like he, he fits mm -hmm. that profile of Republican. When he goes up there, he talks about, you know, the usual Republican stuff, which, OK, fine. But you have to also understand we are dealing with. Do I want to say evil? <laughs> do I want to say that we're, we're dealing yes. with we're dealing with evil people? I mean, evil people. And I don't think that Pence has 
enough within him if if I'm if I'm even looking at this right within him as his character to be able to do what's necessary in order to push back on that. I think that Senator Cotton does. I think Senator Tom Cotton does. And the reason is is because let's be honest, the forces behind this evil are coming from China. Can can we all agree on that? Can, can we all agree on that? At least a goodly percentage of that agenda is coming from there. You know, I've studied Chinese communism, not to the extent that I wish I had. I wish that I could sit down and I, and I had the time to dig through more of it. But I've studied Chinese communism. This plan is exactly what Mao did. It's exactly I mean, you could yeah. almost call it to the letter. Yeah. And you can't tell me that China hasn't wormed their way into just about every form of Western institution. I don't care if it's the U.S. or Europe. Before we move off of Mao, didn't we talk about how in the in the Cultural Revolution they went after the statues, they did. and then what the came after did. the statues? Yeah, the what, what, what came after the statue? They, they went after people, right? Yes, the Red Guards went after um, yeah. went after people, uh-huh. especially most notably uh-huh. old people. And and what? Well, that, that's an interesting point because uh, going after old people. Uh, what does the virus target the most? Statues uh, came down. Hmm. They went after old people in nursing homes in New York. I, just coincidence, uh-huh. huh? Yeah, yeah it's kind of, kind of coincidence. But they're also that that's largely who they're kind of, they're they're going after the perceived weaker of, of the populace. And you know we've seen we've seen them uh, beating older people. We've seen them. I mean they they went after Rand Paul in the uh, right after the RNC, and he's older. So yeah. Anyway. Like I said, with Pence, I I mean, I don't think Pence has it. And I could be wrong. You know, I could be wrong. This is just my take on it, just by the way he presents himself. I could be wrong. And I know people very I know people that are very close to me that uh, that have met him. And I I just don't think that he has it uh, when it comes to having to deal with such evil, if that makes any sense. Uh, Senator Cotton, I think the way that he presents himself, I think he does. And he knows what's at stake. And maybe Pence does. Maybe I'm wrong. Right. Maybe I'm wrong about all that, but I just don't get that feeling from him. Do you? So with Pence, Pence is a very so this is this is where it's a little difficult with Pence to read him. He understands the the structure of authority. So when you see him functioning under Trump, he's basically doing uh, projects and whatnot behind the scenes to help benefit the president, to benefit the the people, you know, to, to get agendas passed. He is doing a lot of work behind the scenes that we don't know about. And, and don't the, well, obviously, the media is not going to report on it because it's it's pro-America. And, you know, uh, anyway, but I'm, I'm curious because I know of people and I'm, I'm kind of a, this this mindset as well. Personally, when it comes to authority and, and you position yourself under someone else's authority and you willfully go under it. So in, in the case of Pence, he chose he, he agreed to be the vice president. Right. When you're in that position, especially in Christian circles, you're taught to understand the the hierarchy there and to submit under authority. But that doesn't necessarily mean the person's weak or complicit, if you will. If he had power and was able to make those decisions, do I think he would be aggressive, iron fist or do what's right? Uh, It's very possible. I mean, it's difficult to read him when it comes to knowing that being as uh, the circles he comes from. That said, Cotton would be a good choice in the sense of he understands what's going on. But at the same time, my main concern with Cotton is he's he's hawkish. He's a little more hawkish than I like, Mm -hmm. but he would be good in the sense of he would he would fight the Marxists. He, He would put up a good resistance there. Yeah, um, and this Pence, like you said, that's that's a you know. Yeah, and the CCP doesn't like Cotton. They they don't like him at all. Yeah, uh, yeah. They're already using the Washington Post, which is one of their big mouthpieces. They're already using, or excuse me, the Amazon Post. They're already using the um, uh, that media outlet to uh, to do op ed pieces, kicking in Tom Cotton's teeth. So like they they already know that he's a potential threat because he's a young guy. He's very well spoken. He's a veteran. He has a Harvard degree, and he he knows communist tactics. And so he's your typical up and coming. And when he goes out, he portrays himself with the usual. Right. He's got uh, the wife, the two young kids at home and and all that stuff. You know, the dog and all that stuff. You know, what I'm talking about the political, mm-hmm. you know, all that stuff. When he gives interviews on the phone, you can hear the kids screaming in the background because he's a family man. You know, he does that on purpose. When he talks, though, when, when he makes his points about things, he's not a politician. I don't get the politician feel from him, even though he is one. But he's been out there. He knows 
knows how things work. He's not your typical run of the mill generated from the machine, if you will, if, if that makes any mm-hmm. sense. Mm-hmm. Sure. And the, the, the thing is, too, I, I, I say I don't know if anyone's going to stand up. We do actually have quite a few that are younger, closer to our age group that will be of age to run for president uh, when when that time comes, 2024, mm-hmm. that are very conservative and not even really conservative, more classic liberal. And it, honestly, there's uh, quite a few people that are coming up that could fill those positions are, are of the younger age groups. I'll tell you what, you go you go a decade down the road. And and he makes it. Oh, uh, oh, Madison Cawthorn might be making a run as well spoken as he is, yeah. you know? Yeah. So, I mean, there's and uh, who who's who's the one that was running for uh, Baltimore? Kim Clasic. Uh, the woman there, Kim Clasic. She's a possibility to run for president in the near future. I mean, she's of age. Mm-hmm. I mean, she f- takes all the uh, identity politics boxes, right? That, that uh-huh. I mean, she's <laughs> and she, woman in black. She takes all the boxes so. and then she throws them out the windows. <laughs> she yeah, yeah, exactly. So, I mean, it, she would fit the identity politics thing and she would have the first woman president, you know, all that nonsense that the Democrats seem to be so... Uh, or Candace Owens. Uh, Candace uh, Owens. Or Candace Owens. Candace Owens is a great uh, example as well. So uh, we, we do have, uh, you know, possible candidates running in the future. It's just this current election is really going to determine that. Um, what happens in the next election? Are we going to end up erupting into civil war? It, it really is really going to depend on. Oh, well, let's be honest. We're already in a civil war right now. It's just. Yeah, it's just it's, not hot. It's cold getting warmer. Yeah. So. Uh, it really depends on what's going to happen in the next four years. Um, who's going to run and, you know, who's not. So would you believe we are out of time today, Bruce? You know, I kind of felt like we were we were getting close. Mm hmm. Yeah. So we are going to have to end. And I do apologize. But we will be back tomorrow as sure as I'm sitting here. For those of you who have not, you would like to please do give us a follow on the social media platform of Parlor. Love getting all your feedback, your likes, your echoes, your upvotes, your comments, all the above. You can follow me over there at Jay Anderson three. You can follow Marty, Marty Foster and For those of you who would like to reach out to us, you still have an option. If you don't want to join social media, you can drop us a line anytime you wish via email at tips at dynamicindependence.com. You can address it to myself, Bruce, or GP or anyone else around here. We would humbly ask you to pass this along to friends and family and known associates as things are continuing to get more out of control uh, and and people are in the process of trying to find like-minded people and and have good conversation uh, within people's circles. We would like for you to, to pass this along to uh, people that you know and recommend us to them because what we're trying to do here is, is simply that. We're trying to promote good, healthy conversation in people's circles. And your word of mouth helps us do just that. So if you could pass this along, we would greatly appreciate that. Also, if you're rating podcast, we would ask you to drop us a rating anytime at your leisure on Apple Podcasts or on the respective platform you listen to us on if they have a rating system. Five stars would be a plus. Thank you very much. Thank you for your time today, Bruce. And from all of us here, wherever you are in the world, we thank you for listening because it's all of you that listen that make this all possible. We love you and we love freedom and independence. And together we'll continue to fight for those in the marketplace of ideas. So we'll see all of you tomorrow.